gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Got lots to discuss. Three big shows this past weekend, including PFL 8 2022 playoffs, Bellator 284, and UFC uh, on ESPN 41. There you go. Uh, we'll, go all, we'll go over the results for all three cards and, of course, touch on the latest news, as well as having an interview with Joe Corley from PKA Worldwide. This is a new kickboxing promotion. We're going to find out more about it. Goes, you're throwing me off. Why are you giggling like a schoolgirl over there? Uh, what well, we were watching before we started, but then I, uh, in the middle of your intro, I got one of those things where I wanted to sneeze. And I was oh, holding it okay. back. Yeah. All right. So things started off on Friday night goes Bell Tour 284. We're going to jump right into it. And I, like I told everybody before the weekend started, there was some select names that I follow. You know, like we had Patrick Downey on the show. Remember him, the wild wrestler, wild man wrestler from now living in Florida. Says he kind of exited collegiate wrestling on a, on, a, on a bad USA wrestling with a bad taste on his mouth. He actually got a first-round triangle choke there uh, at Bellator. Deanna Bennett defeated Justine Kish. Justine Kish had a lot of momentum, man, from the fight that she had had in Hawaii where she beat Alima Lane McFarland. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure. Take- I'm- Sorry, I was just going to say, like, starting that off, you almost want to know, like, who did it better, right? Him or uh, or uh, my man... Uh- Bo Nickel, Nickel, right? Like, look at some of the guys that have come into the sport in this the last two years. Wrestling, dude, wrestling, and and they're not only winning it with their wrestling; they're winning it with their submissions. They're winning it with their with their fists. So now you're taking that skill set, and I think you know people always ask, "I'm getting into MMA. What should what should I learn first? I really think the answer is wrestling. Learn that, and then everything else will come. At least, at least wrestle through high school, and and even if you're just a collegiate wrestler, you don't have to be like a three-time national champ. Of course, it helps if you are, but I think what it is is just the discipline, man. Like that mindset: I'm gonna make weight. There's no way I'm not gonna make weight. You're gonna push me to my limits. I'm not gonna break. Hell yeah, that's one. That's definitely one awesome fundamental. Um, or be open enough if you come from kickboxing or you know any of the stand-up arts, at least be open enough, open enough to work on uh, takedown defense and then getting right back up. And then anytime you can have a great submission game where someone just you know on a scramble gives you your neck or or you hit them and you can't you know you can't finish them or something like that. So you grab their neck like Mearshart. Mearshart was trying to finish with his hands in San Diego. And then he said, ah, Charlie, I got like 20 submissions. Why not grab his neck? And he did. And that was it, you know? So uh, thankfully he did, by the way, shout out to Dan Tom 
I got myself uh, uh, a few of the uh, the tips that he had given. He had a great night, man. So um, yeah, shout out to him. Uh, Aaron Jeffrey defeated Austin Vanderford. Kind of bummed there. Austin Vanderford was undefeated, fought for a title, took a loss to Musasi. Figured he had made a couple adjustments here and there, but Aaron Jeffrey was having none of it, man. He ended it quick in the first round. Austin Vanderford drops to 11-2. and two. Really excited about Gokhan Sakam. Uh, Sarakam, excuse me, a heavyweight over there at Bellator. Elima Malay did struggle, but she had a good fight against Bruna Allen back in the win column. Unfortunate with Maori, man, the big cat. Um, like he's like six eight, undefeated. He was fighting Valentin Moldovsky. This could have really put him on the map, but it was an accidental eye poke, so it ends. It was Moldovsky poking Maori. He said he couldn't see, so you know how that goes. And then Goiti Yamaguchi, boy, what an impressive fight over Neiman Gracie. So much love for the Gracie family. He could barely enjoy it. He was kind of containing the tears and the respect, but he beat Neiman Gracie, and, and now he'd like to fight, you know, those guys like Storley and Amosov, uh, the Ukrainian guy, and, of course, uh, Michael Venom Page when he comes back from from um, the uh, bare-knuckle stuff. But Yamaguchi's good, man. He baited him. That closing sequence, man, putting his hands down, he baited him to come forward, and, and he knocked him. And, you know, that just kind of tells you, like, He's just not afraid of Gracie's power in the stand-up, and he neutralized the jujitsu. So it's like, you know, it was it was uh, not a reckless, but it was a, a risk that he took. Right? Anytime you put your hands down in mixed martial arts, bad shit can happen. But he baited mm-hmm. him in, and, and Gracie took the bait, and he just landed that shot right on the chin. Mm-hmm. And so then PFL had an early version of a Saturday night affair. Usually they do stuff on Friday night, but they were in Cardiff, Wales. So things started off really early in the morning. Veterans like Hani Marks, Marcin Wojcik, uh, they were on the card. And then what, what they're having is, aside from giving some paychecks to some of the fighters on their roster, they're also kind of having like a European contenders or whatever. So there's actually prelims and postlims, but sandwiched in between, was the semifinals of the welterweights and the heavyweights. So, Sadabu C, we'll start with him. Him and Carlos Leal. It was a really, really fun fight. I enjoyed it. But the difference was, the, the I think he had like an eight or six-inch reach advantage. And even though Leal was finding ways to get around it, Sadabu C just kept, in it, you know, breaking off from clinching and stuff like that and using that distance. And eventually, he got the hard-earned decision He's going to meet Delano Taylor, who defeated Roy McDonald. And subsequently after that, Roy, well, not right after that, but Roy McDonald over the weekend published first his wife and then him. He is retiring from the game. That's it. That ends his run as a former UFC fighter, Bellator fighter, and PFL chi- uh, fighter. And, of course, he was a champion over at Bellator. Um, this is literally a guy goes that we saw from the very beginning. I think his 15, 17 year run mimics mimics kind of ours. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean he came into the studio as a kid, really. Yeah, um, was barely able to have any fun. I mean, he was kind of a serious guy in the beginning. But look, man, I'm telling you, mixed martial arts. Some of these people that are retiring, we're losing a lot of people, and hopefully, we're gonna we'll be able to replenish. But uh, you know, Rory just didn't go out like looking awful or anything like that but it was just the right time so i get it i I actually applaud him for walking away right now 
He looks slow. He looks slow and tentative, I think is what it is. Yeah. Whereas Dominic Cruz, who we'll get to in a second, he fought his ass off, man, against Marlon Vera before getting caught. But we'll cover that in a second. We'll finish up here. Ante Delizia defeated Hannon Fajeda. Ground and pound there, round one. And Matthias Scheffel defeated Juan Adams, a TKO stoppage in round three. So Scheffel versus Delia for $1 million. Taylor versus C for $1 million. Now we're set at uh, welterweight and heavyweight. This week coming up, they're in London, England, and that's women's. So that's their lightweight division. And then the featherweight division. I can't wait, by the way, for Chris Wade versus Brendan Lochnane. Still haven't decided what name I'm going to turn in there because I really like both guys. But any thoughts on PFL? We'll have to flip a coin on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, look at PFL. Like, you cannot walk in there and just expect that because you came from somewhere else and you were one of the top dogs in another organization that you're just going to walk in and win a million dollars. Roy McDonald's on the sideline. Anthony Pettis is on the sideline, right? It just, uh, it's not something that you could do. You really, really have to pay attention to what you have in front of you and, and, and be serious about it. Too many guys have said, I just didn't take the training serious. I didn't get enough tips. I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting that. I think what it comes down to is there's pretty decent fighters in PFL and you have to take every single one of them serious. It's just like WEC or Strike Force when they got minimized and marginalized. Like, ah, oh, but you wouldn't do well in the UFC. Or hell, even Eddie Alvarez and, and Michael Chandler getting dismissed as two guys that were great over belts. Or what's going to happen if they come over to the UFC? Guess what? One guy become a champ, became a champ. The other guy won the first round of a vacant title fight against Charles Oliveira. Maybe even an arguably 10-8 round, and then he comes back and gets finished. But he competed, you know. Uh, so yeah, put that out of your mind, folks. There's great fighters everywhere. UFC houses most of them, but not all of them. And yeah, there has been a few failed attempts at free agency, man. I mean, look, Olivier Abi Marseille, you know, he's finding ways to grind his way through, but it's just different here. Like you can be an entertainer, but if you ain't racking up points and you just don't win a key fight, you just fall off. Your season's over. That's kind of what happened, to Jeremy Stevens. Him and Clay call it out a great fight. But it got them zero points. You know, mm. you do something like that in the UFC, they might go, hey, let's have these two guys open up the next pay-per-view. Pay you know, the crowd's going to go nuts. But over here, they're not trying to do that. It's, I mean, you're trying to win, obviously, but you need those points. And uh, the spilled blood doesn't count, you know, in the win column or in the points column or nothing like that. And then when you come back again, you just you, you have to win or they move on. So he's another one. Uh, Fabrizio Verdum, of course. Uh, but I hope they keep keep at it because I, it helps put over some of their younger fighters. And then, like I say, there's a few that have done well. Let's not forget, Chris Wade came from the UFC, too. Bubba Jenkins stopped uh, through Bellator. Um, so it, it's not like, you know, all these are home homegrown fighters. But anyway. Right. All right. So, PFL, you got, you, you got the set. You know, you sorry. What I'm trying to say is they're all set up there with only one uh, playoff weekend left, the semifinals and women's lightweight and featherweight and then they'll be done and then in october it's the finals so now it's time for the ufc recap uh ufc vera versus cruz out in san diego is ufc on espn 41 this one started kind of early as well 1 1 p.m ish or something like that 1 30 it actually followed pfl in fact there was a little bit of a hiccup because they missed the first fight which wound up ending in a draw anyway 
But Yusuf Zalal and Damon Blackshear, by the time PFL ended, these guys were uh, basically Joe Martinez was telling us it was a draw. So I think there could have been something there where they could have communicated that one a little bit better. Well, whatever, you know. You know what? I was actually kind of stoked because for a little bit, I don't know why they only, I mean, maybe they offer this somewhere else, but if I use ESPN Plus, my app, right, on my Roku or something like that, I can't do this. But on my Xbox, if I use ESPN Plus, I can do multiple broadcasts. I could do, I think, up to four or five of them. So I actually had both PFL games, and I think I had like a baseball game on or some or a soccer game. Um, it's so cool, man. You could see all four of them at one time. And it was great using my Xbox. So the PFL app on my Xbox, for some reason, I'm able to multicast, which is awesome. I I was watching them both. And you can make one bigger than the other if you want. Or, you know, you can make the noise come out of only one. It was awesome. But if you don't have that, then, yeah, you'd be pretty pissed off because you're going to miss stuff. Yeah, I wanted to. I I love live betting the, uh, the fights, but. I mean, look, stuff happens. It doesn't happen often, and I don't want this to come at the expense of PFL. I'm happy for PFL. I want them to grow, and to be fair, this was the first prelim of the UFC, so we still had thir- it was 13 fights to go. It wasn't like you know we missed. Uh, it's, it's not like, you know, you ever see those baseball games where it's 9 nothing, and it's still the ninth inning, and you're just waiting. They have to switch it to ESPN Plus or ESPN2. Brendan Fitzgerald or John Anik, you know, they're throwing audibles left and right. And it's a game where you're like, oh, my God, like the manager's on the mound and he's trying to decide if he should pull someone. It's like, you're up 9 nothing, Hurry up already, you know. Then that game officially ends, and then they go, okay, let's send it to San Diego. It's like, come on, bro. You could have sent it to San Diego when it was 7 nothing one inning ago. You know, they just tacked two more runs on right now. But anyway. So in San Diego, that's the first result. There's Alal and Blackshear fought to a draw. Josh Quinlan, did you see that jab against Jason Witt? That was outstanding, man, that punch. Uh, Witt was really, really, like, really kind of aggressive, man. And Witt just kind of went, dink, took him out. Uh, Tyson Nam, he came in with a counter right hook in the next fight. And, I mean, we were off and running. It goes Gabriel Benitez. He finished Charlie Ontiveros. And all these were like, boom, boom, boom. First round stoppages after the after the draw until we get to the Nina Nunes fight. But let's stop at Benitez, Nam, and Quinlan. Some great, great uh, action in those. Yeah, that Nam fight was fun, dude. But have you noticed that wasn't the only fighter? I can't remember if it was Bellator or PFL, but somebody else went down to one of those jabs, and I thought somebody did last week as well. Um, it's so tough because what what it ends up being is it's not like somebody's just standing there and they get jabbed. And they fall down. It's Usman. usually the, huh? I think Usman caught Pagoa, right? Whatever his name is, Zach Pagoa. Yeah, there Wasn't you go. Kind of like he was off on his on his back foot, but then just kind of threw, you know. I mean, I guess it was a cross technically. It's just that he's an orthodox fighter, so it's really his jab hand. It's not the stronger mm-hmm. of the two, but the guy packed so much power. All he did was go pink, and he got him. Yeah, I mean, what ends up happening is it's the momentum of the guy coming forward plus the momentum of the jab meeting in the middle. That's what's putting it. Like, they make it sound like you just threw a jab and the guy went down. It's not really like that. It's usually the momentum of the fighter coming forward. But it's happening more and more. And what that says is that it means that the opponents are really starting to understand the person in front of them and looking for tail, you know, tells 
as far as, okay, he did that again. He did that, which we'll probably get to in the main event because that's another situation where I think after a while, somebody was just, uh, well, we're not going to spoil it. They know the results, but it looked like Marlon Vera was figuring things out and just waiting for his moment. Yeah, no doubt about that. In the next fight, Nina Nunes defeated Cynthia Calvillo. Fun fight that went all the way to the end. Calvillo trying to get the fight to the ground. Nina Nunes trying to stand up. They were 1-1 going into the third, and Calvillo just could not get the fight to the ground. Nunes was fresher, and she was able to get out of some of those takedowns to her credit, and then she just kind of poured it on. Afterwards, she she immediately laid down her gloves so everybody knew what was up, and uh, she explained, hey, look, I think I've gone as far as I wanted to, and this was just a hobby. Um, and she probably also knew, like, she just moved the flyweight. Remember, she was a strawweight. This was that flyweight. And so, you know, you're probably looking at at least two, three more wins before you get a whiff of, of Shevchenko's t- uh, belt. Um, she didn't want that. I think she just kind of maybe she was at the end of a contract or who knows. But what she said was, I just want to have more babies. And me too. something goes, I'm not a big fan of the kids inside the octagon, especially when you have not just your blood, but the other person's blood and spit still kind of on you. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like it's a bit much. But there, there can't be a cuter baby than Nina Nunes' uh, and, and Amanda Nunes' daughter, that Regan, I think her name is. I mean, mm-hmm. she's so quiet and well-behaved. Um, and, and they always dress her up really, really nice. Um, so I guess that'll be a nice memory for her, you know, one day. But but uh, I have to admit, man, it's a really, really beautiful kid they have. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I kind of look at it sometimes and go, ooh, I don't know if they want that to happen. But then again all that goes away and you're left with that memory, right? Which is pretty awesome. Well, if you think about it, um, you and I actually met him in New Jersey, UFC 78. This was back in 2007, but I don't know if you remember front row, Brian, I think he even introduced us to him. Uh, do you remember when the Niners, no, sorry, the giants won the Super Bowl, and one of their defensive linemen, Jim Burt had his kid up, on his shoulders, it was kind of a, an image that a lot of people remember because, you know, they had just won the Super Bowl, probably over the Bills or something like that. Well, it turns out that was the kid all growing up years later, you know, and he just talked about how, yeah, I mean, he he was a little bigger than than this baby, but still, it was kind of a big deal to him. And so, did you know? Did you know on the cover of Nirvana's album that baby? Do you remember the, the nude one baby? that had a lawsuit or something like that, dude? He was getting paid 10 grand minimum to go to celebrities' parties and just swim in their pool as an adult. How fucking crazy is that? I don't know. I, I would think they would tell him, like, <laughs> kind of freaky, isn't it? Maybe wear, I don't know, a Speedo or something. But yeah, <laughs> if he's in there with a rash guard and like baggy shorts. I'd probably, probably defeats the purpose. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, I did not know that. I knew there was some big lawsuit or something. Uh, another thing I wanted to say was. While we're at it, when Cheeto Vera got his family together, I just love seeing his little daughter in there, man, enjoying it, making the fist. Remember all the problems that she had, and he had to pay for all these surgeries, and it was expensive, and he wasn't really asking, man. He wasn't really like, go fund me, baby, or nothing like that. Like I, He kind of just figured it out on his own. I'm sure he got some support here and there. Uh, I, I just don't know accurately what he did or didn't get, So, but I remember him just not wanting to talk about it as much. It was something that was with him and his family. But every time I see his little daughter in there, part of the family smiling and, 
and uh she you know they all did the fist and she did it man it brings brings a lot of joy to my heart i love yeah, that so cool. yeah um so nina nunez congrats you know like uh, you know again not everyone's gonna win a world title but you got to do something that a lot of people wish they could do uh and that would probably include us too so that was awesome man and, and she did it kind of on her own terms over a tough fighter like cynthia calvillo and as far as calvillo is concerned i know her stand-ups improved but you know, I'm seeing her lose the same type of fight, and basically, she's on the ground. She's a beast, but if she can't get the fight to the ground, it, it's it's fifty fifty. Work on that wrestling is all I can say. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle is all I can say, man. Which is something Lu Lupe Godinez didn't do, and she's is very good at it. That was the yeah. parlay buster of the night, man. I thought for sure all she was going to do is wrestle Angela Hill to death. Probably said Angela Hill packing, man. I think. Hill had lost five of six, three in a row. I thought for sure of this one, especially her being 37 and all, and now starting to do broadcast work, this could be it. Lay down the gloves in San Diego. But Lupe Godinez, who has stand improved her stand-up, decided to only do stand-up. That'd be like Habib goes, not wrestling. Yeah, I don't know. You know, going back to Cynthia Calvillo, I don't know if there's not enough people around them to maybe just tell them the truth because you know you see Cynthia she's she's been through a lot of gyms and coaches um it might not be them you know it, it just might be you and you have talent but for some reason it doesn't all always get put together at the same time in a fight and Lupi Godinez sort of same thing man just a little bit of a, a brain fart but it's something that could have been corrected in between rounds it, it was just odd and when she did get the takedown, it was easy. Hill's not hard to take down. And Hill didn't offer too much once she got taken down. Like, I couldn't mm -hmm. believe. Like, I could see if it was like, all right, yeah, I'm Habib Nurmagomedov, but I got to take down Kenny Monday, like someone who's tough to take down. No, you're Habib, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. You just got to take down a scarecrow. You know what I mean? It, it, the scarecrow isn't going to offer much. Once you get the scarecrow down, you can beat the scarecrow up. And on some other day, maybe you can light someone up with your fist. It seemed like she was consumed with wanting to throw hands. And I couldn't believe it. I haven't seen a, uh, I, I see it a lot, but it's been a while, man, since I've seen someone display low fighter IQ like that. Yeah. Of course, I'm pissed because she busted a few of my parlays. But um, Martin Budai defeated Lucas Bresky. A lot of controversy on this one. A lot of people felt like Bresky uh, actually won the fight. And so people have been pointing to MMA decisions, this, that, whatever. I didn't watch this fight as close. I don't know if for some reason I just, I was here. I was sitting here doing my thing, but maybe I was tweeting or what I was doing. So I missed the whole, bro, this is out of line. You know, I remember just the, you know, Twitter was lighting up. They were really, really going after the judges. Did you happen to catch any of that, or did you agree with the decision? This I was kind of in the same environment as you. This is when I was waiting on a pizza, and I had a at a bar, but people were just talking and this and that. So I probably couldn't couldn't give too much of an opinion on it. But uh, it is a crack up when you see fighters say, "But look at MMA decisions," and then the week before, MMA doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, in this case, I thought Bresky won. And there's times where I say, you know, it was close. I could see them calling it for the other guy, but I didn't see that, man. I really didn't. 
However, I'm also not to the point where it's a robbery. Um, or maybe I am, who knows? Robbery, like I robbery makes it sound like, well, what am I doing? You know, if if um we literally have clowns for judges. I don't believe we have clowns for judges. Some judges' scorecards are just I don't know, but I bet you if you sat down and they explained to you why you did it, you'd you'd at least accept their answer and move on. But anyway, um, moving on. Moving on. Gerald Mearshart defeated Bruno Silva. I thought Gerald Mearshart was going to get lit up by Bruno Silva goes, but I also bet on Mearshart because I knew that if he could get the fight to the ground, he would be uh, Silva would be in a world of trouble. What I didn't know was that Mearshart was going to beat him up with the hands and then submit him only because he couldn't finish beating him up with the hands. But Mearshart was just better, the better, the better guy, man. He heard him, put him down, tried to finish him, and then eventually grabbed the hold of a neck. I hope that that guy is here to stay. That version of him, Gerald Mearshart. I, I yeah. hope he, you know, he's so hot and cold. But if that version of him sticks around, then yeah, you got to take him serious in every fight. This is the guy that got lit up in 17 seconds by Hamza Shemaev uh, after Shemaev did those two fights in 10 days in Abu Dhabi, and and Mearshart. Credit to him. He even jokes about it on Twitter when Shemaev is fighting. He'll. he'll he, he kind of did the Conor McGregor approach where he just figured, you know what, rather than like pretend like it didn't happen, I'm just going to have fun with it. Um, but he's dusted himself off and he's done pretty well for himself since then because that was like four or five fights ago. And now, you know, this is a, a big win for him. And like I say, man, it, it probably feels good when there's a lot of doubters out there and a lot of people are saying, you're just toast. You know, going into this weekend, you are absolute toast. So he's won four of five since losing to Shemaev. His only loss is to Christoph Jocko, who's no who's no chump, you know. But big, big win over Bruno Silva for Gerald Mearshart. Good for him, man. Um, all right, moving on here with the card. We get to Priscilla Cachoeira defeated Ariane Lipsky. Uh, big win for her for her first round punches. And then we had a third round stoppage of Amazat, excuse me, Azamat. Mirzakhanov over Devin Clark. Now, here's a guy in Devin Clark who has a really good wrestling credentials in Division Two or Three or something like that, and yet didn't want to wrestle at all. Um, I realize he does have some hands, some power that wrestlers tend to fall in love with, but still, it was just, I thought, again, low fighter IQ. Um, and he deserved to lose. Yeah, that's what, especially when you're gambling, that's what's so frustrating. Because you have this fight and you want to map it out as best you can. But when somebody, it's it's just, it's like having a sniper, you know, on your team. And all he wants to do is throw knives or something. You're just like, what? That, mm-hmm. uh, that's got to be something that just kills them uh, when they watch the fight over again. But if it were, they probably wouldn't do it. But they, this happens quite a bit in MMA. Agreed. Now, here's a nice impre- uh, impression that I was left with from a UFC debuting fighter. Yasmin Jaragui defeated Yasmin Lucindo. Uh, very, very impressive. I actually like them both, both straw weights. This was a fun fight to watch. Uh, Jaragui is out of Entram in Baja, California, in Tijuana. That's Brandon Marino's old gym. And so together with the pop for Godinez, uh, Benitez, like the Mexican fans, looked like they were having a good time. 
and a, a few of their fighters got their hand raised. So I was really, really happy for them. Yeah, if you look just up and down the card, like the Ecuadorian fans really showed up, right? The yeah. Mexican fans. It, it was a fun night for Latin yeah, America. For sure. Nate Land, we are in David Onama. Man, what can I say? Look, this is almost going to sound too horrible. It was almost too sloppy at times. I love slobber knockers, but holy cow, dude. What it looked like was like if Commodus Caesar was going, no, no rules. We ain't living here until one of these fools is dead. Like, I mean, Onama was like flopping around and then he'd dig deep and sock land weir. I mean, they went back and forth, man. They laid it all out. I, I honestly wish Dana would have just said the, all 200 grand in bonuses, give it to these two. And then from there, I'll just write discretionaries to the rest, man. They really, really put it out there. I was happy for Landweir because we've covered him back in the day when he was fighting at M1. He, he was like on a 5-0 and o run over at Land, uh, in M1. He was really, really popular there. Came over to the uh, UFC, dropped a couple fights, but for the most part, you know, he's been winning as of late. But, man, that guy's fun to talk to on the radio, and everyone's just catching on. Five years late to the party, just like always. Even Conor McGregor, same thing. You know, we were talking to him before he was wearing suits. But um, it pays off. It pays off when you get to know the fighters back then, and then you get to see them succeed years later, and I'm loving it. Yeah. For um, the amount of punches they threw at each other and kicks, they didn't come out as damaged as I thought they would. But it was a fun fight. It, it was fun. It's not the one that you want to show as a representative of your sport, but it was a fun fight. I think it's something that the casual fan can tune into and say, hey, I'll give this a shot. Yeah. You watch Landwehr's going to do a lot of media this week. I couldn't believe it when DC and Bisping were blown away by Landwehr. And I'm like, blown away? Is this the first time? Maybe it's the first time it's they like covered him. fourth fight? I know, and he's been in the sport for a long time. Like, how, I, man, I guess it's just UFC or, or bust for some people, but Landwehr's been around. M1, man. Like, I thought Vinny was pretty, well, I guess Vinny was on um, The Ultimate Fighter, but Vinny was pretty popular and he was doing his thing in Russia back in the day. But yeah, Landwehr was a, he was no joke out in Russia. He had a lot of Russian fans and he did well, but he always had fun, fun interviews. Anyway, whatever. We get to the main event Marlon Vera versus. Dominic Cruz, oh my God! You know I, this wouldn't make Don, Dominic Cruz feel better, but I wish I could tell him I've seen fights of yours that weren't as exciting where you won, which I know you'd rather have than this one where you lost. But man, homeboy brought it like those flurries, seven, five punch, five uh, punch combos, seven punch combos, mixing up the kicks. I kept thinking you got the, you got a gas tank for all this, but he was really really strong i i had it 2-1 going into round four and but man what a fun fight thank you dominic for bringing it like that and you said it earlier marlon vera was composed waited for the right timing and then he unleashed a great kick to the head he caught he caught him dipping kind of like how jones caught dc dipping as well um and he, he looks like he broke his nose pretty good oh man i didn't want that fight to end like that um I wanted to see, I wanted to see the fifth round, but I always say make it to the fourth, and I'm happy, so I shouldn't complain. But um, Vera was slowly letting that fight get away from him. I'm not a huge Dominic Cruz fan, but I respect the hell out of his game and his career. A lot of people point to him and say he just doesn't have power, and I disagree. I don't think it's that he doesn't have power; 
It's just that the way he, because he's so awkward and he throws from such weird angles, he doesn't, he's not really positioned to throw a power punch. Most of the time he's, he's off balance when he's throwing them, right? That's why they're coming from the directions that they're coming from. But I think that's his game. His game is, I'm just going to overwhelm you, hope you tire out. And then maybe you'll see a little bit more of the power. He was landing those combinations. Um, and if you, and if you watch it, it was usually the third, fourth punch that really hit uh, Vera. Mm-hmm. But after a while, Vera kind of knew where they were coming from and what he was doing. And that's when he timed that kick. And you have to give Vera props for that. Um, I would have liked to see him get going a little bit more. He did knock down Vera or uh, knock down Cruz quite a few times. But yeah, again, I go I back to a lot of times Dominic Cruz is just off balance because of the way he throws. So maybe not the strongest of punches is probably going to put him on his ass because He's barely standing, you know. He's he's reaching for so, so uh, such a large amount of distance when he's throwing. But I thought that was one of the best dominant cruises we've ever Me seen. Me too. It was he amazing. Even up a nice takedown. I, he went for a couple more takedowns, so Marlon didn't give him those. But he had a couple well timed ones. At least one he that I remember that was really really nice. He even calf kicked Marlon Vera. And if you think about it, Marlon Vera is a good calf kicker. He, he, he put so much pressure on Marlon Vera that I don't remember Marlon Vera even throwing one kick or th- that was effective. And, I mean, Dominic was going to the head with his kicks. He was going to the body with his kicks. And he was even punching him in the body. Like, Dominic literally threw an incredible playbook at this guy. And, like I say, he had a 2-1 lead going into round four. It would have been interesting if this guy honestly would have been able to pull it off because he's taken one for the team, man. He's fought Pedro Munoz. And Munoz, as you know, is sliding down. And Casey Kenny. You know, a lot of veteran fighters won't do that. But. You know, even though he's a big name and he wants to fight for a title, he's giving some of these guys chances. So I respect that. And he obviously gave a, a huge, huge name, even bigger lift to Marlon Vera now. Uh, I wish Vera wouldn't have said that. I think me and my coaches think that his, his skill level is low or his game planning is low. And I'm like, dude, that's a five-time world champion, like five title defenses, WEC legend, you know, UFC Bantamweight legend. Just unnecessary. A lot, lot of skins on a wall, and he was up two one against you. I wouldn't go so far as to say that that styles. You know, he said amateur or below average or something. Uh, I don't know. It, he figured it out. He gets scoreboard. You know what I mean? He could put a pie in my face and say, "Shut up, I won." And I go, "Yeah, I guess you're right." But at the same time, I'm not talking out of my ass here. You know, like I say, I was seeing one guy slowly dismantle the other one. But either way goes on paper. The card was like, eh, all right, I'll I'll tune in because it's my job, you know, but I wasn't like pumped. But coming out of it, of course, I'm pumped because the UFC gives out crack cocaine every weekend. I mean, how can fights possibly suck, right? Even that Leal Sadabusi fight was fun. Any MMA fight, honestly, if you tune in, you're always going to get your fair share of highlights, kicks, punches, blood, violence, submissions, whatever. And, and that's why, you know, the sport just keeps growing and growing. But a uh, fun week, huh? weekend yeah man we we have well if you call it that we have no weekend really when you think about it but uh there's just so much mma and you don't want to miss out on it i'm glad we saw that ufc card man that was that was nuts especially those last two fights yeah all right we're gonna finish up with an interview here uh joe corley is gonna join us pka worldwide they are trying to bring kickboxing back this man has fought and promoted and and now he's the ceo
All right, Junkie Nation, gorgeous George and Goes, always delivering on many fronts. And as you know, we always like to cover all the combat sports, not just MMA. Today, we get to talk to Joe Corley from PKA Worldwide. We're going to talk the stand-up game, kickboxing, karate, Muay Thai, Taekwondo. Welcome to MMA Junkie Radio, Joe. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for having me. You guys look great. I see why you're gorgeous. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> Well, you're the second person to ever tell me that. The other one's my mom, but I'll take it. Um, so, Joe, excited to have you on. And, you know, it's funny because as we were being introduced through a, a mutual friend and she was, you know, telling me about PK Worldwide and your plans, you know, to launch this, uh, I guess, what are we going to call it? Like a, uh, a sports league of kickboxing, like like a league or... Is it just going to be like show, individual show, individual show? How, how's it going to work? I guess in, in today's categories, you would uh, you would call it a league. Um, okay. PKA was originally the Professional Karate Association. And right. um, so as a professional karate association, we had the ability to really work with all kinds of organizations around the world. Like you mentioned, there's karate, there's taekwondo, there's kung fu. So... In PK Worldwide, we're really dealing with all the people that do stand-up fighting. And, uh, of course, the difference in what we do with, with respect to a Muay Thai is that all of our kicks are up above the belt. So they used to call it the high kick. Kickboxing is the way they called it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that's what I was wondering, if this was going to be like a promotional show, the way boxing does it, where a certain promoter does something here, a certain promoter does something there, all under your umbrella, or maybe like a league like we see in MMA where, you know, one there's one league that's even taken it so far where they kind of have every year like a regular season and then playoffs, kind of like the mimic, you know, yeah, some yeah. of the other sports. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but, but I noticed that you guys are already acquiring talent through, if you go to P PK Worldwide, the website, you're going to different cities, and I guess you're starting to sign fighters to be a part of this league. That's right. We're we're on the hunt for the greatest strikers on the planet. And, and since you define league like that, we probably will be working with uh, outside promoters. We had a, a group of promoters that we worked with all over the world, everywhere from South Africa to Canada and back over to the Eastern Bloc. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's probably going to work like that again. We'll do a lot of our big events, obviously, in-house, very much like, the, say, the UFC does. And uh, but we will have other promoters that do things outside of that. Yeah. And so going back to, I guess, what originally got me excited was if you think about it, I don't know how close you follow our sport. But one of the big announcements last week was Israel Adesanya is going to fight Alex Pajeda. So mm -hmm. these are two gentlemen that actually came from kickboxing, from the world yeah. of kickboxing. Yeah. They were successful. They fought for glory and a few other organizations. Yeah. And now here they are at the top. Well, Israel Adesanya is at the top of the heap in the middleweight division. This will be his sixth title defense, and he's yeah. facing Alex Pajeda, a guy that not only defeated him via decision once in kickboxing, he actually also knocked him out. So we're all excited about what two guys from another sport are doing yeah. in our sport. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, as you guys know, uh, the, the, the reels, you know, the, the highlight reels generally include the most spectacular kind of kicks and punches that you see. And of course, there are some great takedowns involved in the highlight reels. But I think that fight that you're talking about, it, it got my attention. I guess I watched all of, uh, was it UFC 276 
where yeah. um, where both of them fought on the same card. And I thought it was right. very interesting because I I know how in what high regard Adesanya is held, and I I was uh, surprised to hear that this person had beat him in in the kickboxing world. Yes, and so here's my million dollar question for you. When we're at MMA events, this is no disrespect to our friends from the grappling world, judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling, a lot of the stuff, you know, that takes place on the ground. That's exciting as well. But there are often times where when the fight hits the ground, unless there's some action, most of the fans, not all, about 80% of the fans in any given arena anywhere all over the world are booing. They want them to stand up. They want them to throw hands and kicks and elbows and whatever's permitted on on the feet. And and, and so I've, I've wondered... Why is it that kickboxing, I mean, you, unless you correct me, it's hit certain plateaus, but maybe not on the level of UFC, what UFC is doing now, and boxing, and, and can it get there if you kind of weave through and, and put a certain amount, a certain rule set that's appealing to those people that are, I guess, fiending for, I don't know, you know, uh, maybe they, they, they want the blood or want they want the action, you know, that. I, sometimes they, they, they love the technique, but sometimes they love the brutality, I guess, that they get from MMA. You know, what, what, what I see, and when, when we first met with Dana White, I, I said to him, I said, thank you. He said, for what? And I said, well, thank you for pushing across the goal line that which we intended to do back as early as 1974. And you showed the world that martial arts deserve to be standing in a financial uh, place just like the other major sports have from baseball to football, do you name it? So when the UFC sold, of course, that was at the time, at least as I read, uh, the the largest single sports transaction in, in U.S. history at that point in time. And what we were missing and what the UFC was missing before Dana White and the Fertitta brothers came in was the strong financial backing that you needed to get from point A, which is where we were, to uh, point S, which would be success. But uh, Dana and the Fertitta brothers did it so very nicely, and they built the personalities of the fighters. They used good business practices as well, of course. All of them were not popular with everybody, but they were good business practices. And uh, as a result, they, they built the personalities of the fighters. And sadly, because we didn't have the backing at the time, we went into a kind of a state of hiatus we did some occasional events here and there, but uh, it, once we got the backing and we started to uh, look at the landscape out there, it really seemed to us that what you just talked about, which is people enjoying the striking, would be uh, very, um, uh, what's the right word I'm trying to say, very widely accepted, provided that we have the right personalities and the right promotions that go behind those personalities. We did before. I don't know if you were uh, a, a spectator, a fan of the sport when we built the the big champions from Dennis Alexio to Johnny Terrio, the Iceman, Bill Superfoot Wallace, Jeff Smith, and so many. We probably had 50, you know, really uh, top name fighters in in our activities. Uh, and we had great ratings always on ESPN. We were the highest rated 18 to 34 show on ESPN. We were always number two and number three in 18 to 49s. And that went over as well to CBS and NBC and Showtime. So I, I think the audience will relate to it, even though it's a different time. You've got the same kind of fighting uh, 
hands, feet, kicks, punches, and they'll be just as exciting and as dramatic as they were before with financial backing. Well, I do remember I may be like a second generation of Stefan Lecco and Remy Bonjanski and Michael McDonald. I'm testing my memory here, but some of it would be here at the Mirage in Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And yes, ESPN was a part of it. It was a big deal. And then it, it, I guess it just, you know, I don't know if it went away for financial reasons or, or what, but it was yeah. popping back then and they did have some great stars. And that's why when we would start to cover this sport, it would start to uh, not annoy me, but you would hear oftentimes, oh, a world-class kickboxer or someone with world-class kickboxing skills is fighting a wrestler. And granted, the fighter may have had like a uh, – his forte might be the stand-up. Yeah. And he might be from like the shoot box in Brazil or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But there's a difference between world-class – you know, when you're part of these leagues and fighting these fighters that we talked about and just maybe the best guy in your gym in the stand-up department, you know. So I knew yep. there was a difference. It's just we couldn't point to it at the time because between It's Showtime and K1 and Glory and everything else that's been around, like I say, there's been like an in and out. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And um, you, you think about where uh, UFC was in 2001 and then where UFC was in 2016 and what a difference of uh, 15 years of, of really supporting the sport and the athletes properly brought about. And that's, uh, that's of course, been my lifetime mission. Um, I fought Bill Wallace for the World Super, uh, for the middleweight title in the Omni in Atlanta. Wow. And, and when I looked across into his eyes that night, it, it set a, a, a kind of excitement in, in place. Uh, that is still there 4.8 years, decades later, 4.8 decades later. And it, it's, uh, it, it, it's, in the meantime, we've seen so many things come and go, so many different rules, you know, they're so confusing for people, but ours are real simple. We call it punch, kick, and repeat. Punch, kick, and repeat. And you can't kick your opponents in the legs. You can't take them to the ground. You can't hold them. If you hold them in the middle of a round, the referee says out loud, said, you're allowed to hold one time in the round. You just got that. Each time after this, you're going to get a minus point. In other words, if it was going to be a 10-9 round for you, it's now going to be a 9-9 round. If it was going to be a 10-9 round for your opponent, it's now going to be a 10-8 round. It's what we would call the electric chair clause. So each fighter has to throw eight powerful kicks in each two-minute round above the waist and that takes a lot of energy to do that. And when you do it, it puts you at risk and it makes it possible for a, a counter fighter, a defensive fighter to hit you on the way in if you're not really quick with it. So I think the will be a kind of a category of one with these rules. We started it. They had the first, uh, you know, professional martial arts on television here in the United States. And it was on ABC's Wide World of Entertainment with Telly Savalas and Ryan O'Neill hosting. Mm -hmm. Did like a 52 share in a night when there was only three networks, you know. And uh, so we think we can do it again. Our, our, our overarching uh, phrase now is, uh, as it was, so shall it be again. I like it. And I do <laughs> remember the Omni, home of the Atlanta Hawks and Dominique Wilkins. Yeah. Back in the day, and that's why I was able to put two and two together. So tell me about the PKA Worldwide Striking Cage. What are the dimensions? Uh, I imagine 
well, I've seen it in ropes, but it says cage. So can you clarify yeah. that part and also the gloves? What kind of gloves do you use? You know, there's an MMA organization, by the way, that does Muay Thai and four ounce gloves, which is pretty crazy. But how about you guys? What, what do you guys plan on doing for the equipment? Well, you know, the the science on these, the the damage that is done to a, a, a recipient's head, his brain, uh, related to the gloves is kind of all over the place. But the, the one that came out of Canada uh, some years back said that actually, if you hit someone with a 12-ounce glove on as fast and as uh, powerfully as you would with a 6-ounce or an 8-ounce glove, you're actually going to cause more damage. The people get getting hit in the face, of course, don't feel that because, you know, on your face where you're where you've got the smaller gloves, you really feel it, you know, right at, at, at the at, at the surface of your skin. And we're going to be using 10 ounce gloves for the lighter weights and then 12 ounce gloves for everybody that's middleweight division and above. OK. Joe, so early on in our sport, in MMA, the UFC was so much about Taekwondo against wrestling, against karate, against jujitsu. Everybody was trying to find out what the best uh, best martial art was. When it yeah. comes to kickboxing, you know, you have your karate or Taekwondo, you have Muay Thai fighters, a lot of, a lot of different styles uh, encompass striking. Who do you think has scoreboard right now um, as far as, you know, I hear a lot a lot of uh, people say karate is the one that rules kickboxing. What do you think? Well, I think it, it really comes down to who hones the skills with their hands the best. Um, the great thing about doing all those styles against one another is that you get to see different techniques, but that's when they don't have gloves on their hands. When we did our first world championships in the L.A. sports arena in 1974 that I was referring to, our karate fighters got out there with, with our gloves on and they just went for it trying to hit each other full power. It was very, very sloppy looking. Uh, there was one fighter on the card that night, Joe Lewis, who became our world heavyweight champion, who had spent a good bit of time boxing and was a, a really good boxer. And he dispatched with his opponents very, very quickly. And he looked very, very smooth doing it. And uh, that night, everybody watching uh, immediately went into the boxing gym. Uh, in my case, I uh, I was sitting there ringside. I had had a spinal fusion a few months earlier, so I was a judge in that event on that night. But I had, before I was injured, before I had the spinal fusion, I had been doing some boxing. My dad had taught me to box as a kid, you know, just to, you know, for kind of army brat self-defense. But I had been in the boxing gym working with a, a lot of good golden gloves boxers and so forth. So that's what gave me the impetus to want to go ahead and challenge Bill Wallace for the world middleweight title uh, eight months after that. And so 14 months after a spinal fusion and with, uh, you know, more courage than brains, I got in the ring with Wallace in front of a 10,000 people in the Omni that night. And we were the first ones to ever go nine rounds in competition. Before that, it was all three rounds. And then our fights ultimately went to the 12 rounds. But to answer your question, I think there's some going to be some great fighters out there. The most dynamic, the highest paid fighters are going to be the ones with the most dramatic kicking skills who can combine that with really down-to-earth, deadly boxing skills. You know, a lot of people in our sport are looking for different avenues to make money, 
a lot of them have been doing this triller boxing, right? Uh, yeah. Tournaments, wrestling tournaments are very popular. Are you going to be looking to sign maybe some of these free agents that come out from mixed martial arts? Or even if it's permitted, um, if one of them wants to get a fight in between one of their mixed martial arts fights, would you be open to that type of stuff? Absolutely. Um, the, the phrase is on the hunt for the greatest strikers on the planet. We did our first trials in New York on June 11th, and actually uh, we ended up with five future stars. Two of them came from karate and uh, taekwondo, and the other three came from MMA. And uh, one of the really good fighters from the MMA, he was a champion there in the New York area, said I had no idea it was going to be that hard to kick eight times above the waist in two minutes. I had no idea it was going to tire me out like that. Uh, but as as hard as the MMA guys train and as tough as they are, I know they're going to come over and they're going to be very competitive. When you look at a fighter that we had who I really consider probably our greatest of all time, it's Rick the Jet Rufus. And Rick was 20 years old. He already had 16 years experience punching and kicking, and he had won the Golden Gloves Championship in his mid-teens, and so he could make everybody just look really silly in the ring. They couldn't hit him, and he would kick them from so many different directions that really made him very, very dynamic. He then had to go into K-1 when we went into a hiatus mode. He went into K-1, and that's what's happened with a lot of the martial artists around the world, the Taekwondo guys. Let's say there's 195 countries associated with Taekwondo in the Olympics. 195 countries associated with karate in the Olympics. Where are those athletes going to go when they finish their amateur career? If they're competing at the Olympic level, where do they go? Do they have to learn grappling after that? Do they have to get in the ring and have people kick them in the legs? We think that we'll have a great home for them in PKA. That's great to hear. And I think what goes with saying is correct because for example, there's a, a sport of bare-knuckle boxing, bare-knuckle fighting that's happening now, and they came to a deal with Bellator MMA, and they grabbed one of their top guys, actually, Michael Venom Page, who is yeah. a kickboxer. Yeah. You've heard of him. Yeah, and he's yeah. going to come over yeah. for a one-off, and he's going to bare-knuckle fight. So I think that's pretty cool that fighters can kind of do that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. um, if you think about it, like I say, those were just a few names, but Valentina Shashenko is a uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai world champion. So is their sister. They're now in MMA, of course. Yeah. Uh, before GSP was wrestling, he actually was had the karate background, the Oda Machida. Kyo Krasenka guy, yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there can be a lot of overlap, and that's great that you guys are giving an opportunity to fighters, especially uh, fighters that I know might be done with MMA, but they're not done competing uh, in combat sports, have a lot to offer and can put on a great show. Yeah, we we see a lot of the people that go into MMA from from kickboxing. Of course, the 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 biggest thing they have to face is is wrestling, right? Right. So, I actually lived through a metaphor of that in 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 my uh, junior year, and I went to a military school, and I pulled out in traffic and cut off one of the seniors uh, coming back from a bivouac. It was a military school. And uh, uh, he got out of the car and came and, and threatened me. And so we went to a 
baseball field the following Monday and the whole school came down there to watch his fight. And I, I said, my dad had taught me to box and I was just a, a yellow belt in the karate at the time. And uh, so I was just moving around and I, I actually opened my hands and looked at them like, you know, knife hands and said, God, I don't even know what to do with these. I haven't even learned to spar yet. So I just closed my fist and was just jabbing the bejesus out of his face. And he came in and did a, a double leg takedown on me. And as he was coming in, I had the idea I should knee him in the face. But I said to myself, that's dirty fighting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. So he takes me down. He doesn't know what to do with me on the ground, but I can't get up. And after five minutes, he said, if I let you up, will you quit punching me in the face? And I said, yeah, you, you have a deal. I'm exhausted down here. So uh, when I was in the uh, president's, uh, president's office uh, the next day uh, being reprimanded, he busted me from, uh, I think at that time, from something like lieutenant down to sergeant. Oh, wow. Uh, for for fighting the other guy had already left the police showed up and the other guy had already left but that was a metaphor for what happens when kickboxers are in the ring with good guys you know and the gracies were just so brilliant at this and then you know i i've, I've met carlos machado uh, recently and all these guys are just so brilliant with their ability to get you on the ground and if they'll take a chance at that one single shot that you have that you might be able to take them out with and you fail and they get you down. And they've been doing that since they were four years old, as opposed to our kickboxers who've been punching and kicking since they were four years old, uh, then you're going to lose. But then I said, I said out loud to someone who is a real proponent for ground fighting. And we are too. In our schools, we teach ground fighting for self-defense as long as you know that it's just going to be one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and you feel comfortable on the ground, that's a good place to be. Mm -hmm. But I said to him, imagine LeBron James is coming down the court. He's using all of his basketball skills and someone, and I'm sorry, I, I can't tell you a, a good competitor from another team. Uh, but let's say Dominique Wilkins came out of the stands and just went out and tackled him. How, how would that change LeBron James' game that he'd worked on all of his life? Uh, suppose uh, I used to teach David Justice when he was here in Atlanta with the Atlanta Braves. And imagine David Justice is there at the plate. He's got a stance and a swing like Ted Williams used to have. And the catcher could just stand up and tackle David Justice. Uh, yeah. Or imagine David could walk out to the mound and hit the pitcher in the arm with his bat. You know, right. that's what it's like kicking someone in the leg. The The main tool that the uh, pitcher has is his arm. So I, why isn't it fair for me just to hit him in the arm with my back? So like I said, these, these are just crazy thoughts that have gone through my crazy mind all these years, just wondering why, why to subject uh, our karate fighters and kickboxers to that kind of, of punishment. Everybody is great. I mean, all the fighters are great. I'm, I'm the biggest fight fan in the world. And uh, I just, I don't like the idea of just mixing all of it. I, I like to see one set of rules, you know. Why did you guys emphasize on kicking from the waist up? We've seen in our sport, for example, the calf kick has really revolutionized our sport. Um, yes. At the same time, I'm very sensitive to linear kicks. I've never liked them because... Yeah playing some little bit of football and basketball yeah. I mean, your knees are everything you know like 
if somebody beats you, okay, you shake their hand and, and that's it, but you yeah. don't try to end their career. You know, now this one is is one-to-one -one combat. I guess I am trying to turn your lights off. So yeah. why should I not have the, the not not have the the ferociousness to take your knees out too? But can you explain the lower leg kicks? Why you guys have, have not done that? Well, you you almost answered answered the question as you were asking it. Um, think of any other sport, if you can, in the world where you're given credit for trying to take an athlete's legs out. Uh, everybody from tennis to basketball to football to even pickleball rely on their legs to move from point a to point b imagine uh would there be a tom brady now if if football hadn't changed the rules one of my favorite athletes of all time was johnny unitas and played for the baltimore colts and i, I he had he, he was just great i used to teach uh, in fact it was my first private student was a guy named lenny Orr, and it used to be Johnny Unitas would drop back and just throw a bomb to either uh, Moore or Orr, you know, uh, you know, down the field. And this guy comes up and clips Johnny uh, Unitas from behind, doesn't knock him down, and Unitas turns around and punt kicks him in the face, you know, which, which I just love. But imagine how many uh, quarterbacks were hurt and how their uh, careers were ended because their legs were, were destroyed by by those kinds of rules, which have now been changed, which allow us to have a Tom Brady. So I look forward to us having our Tom Brady's for years to come. And if those guys ever get into a self-defense environment, then I, I recommend that the first thing they do is slam their shin into the outside part of their opponent's knee and then go from there. Yeah, it's definitely a brutal technique um yep. you've probably seen that dead leg you know when they hit that paraformal nerve as well yeah so it, it slows down a lot of athletes um yeah i'm not sure you gave me a response though on the striking cage what are the dimensions and how's that oh thing you're work? right you're right uh our objective in the strikers cage is to make sure that we end up with at least 320 square feet inside which would be the equivalent of about a 17 and a half by 17 and a half um inside the ropes Strange, when I picked up the phone to call and order our first cages, the guy on the other end said I was only the second person to ever ask him about the number of square feet that we were going to have inside of the cage. And so he was kind enough to send me to uh, Google so I could determine how to figure square footage inside an octagon, a hexagon, a pentagon, and all of those things. So. Um, we are, we like the idea of as, as many sides to the cage as possible. And so uh, those are being designed now. Uh, what we found was that the fact that we don't have these 90 degree corners like we had in the boxing ring actually means that we can get m almost as much movement out of 320 square feet in an octagon as we could get out of 400 square feet in the boxing ring. So the fighters, the fighters have loved it so far. When do you expect to have your first show? And do you have anything in form of, uh, in, in the form of, well, any information in the form of television or internet streaming for um, PK Worldwide? Yeah, all of that is being negotiated now. Uh, as I said, we, we had great experience on all of the networks and on ESPN and, um, 
and Showtime. And now we, uh, obviously, in a different world, in addition to all the linear broadcasting that we have available to us, we do have all of the streaming. So we're going to go slow these next uh, 60 days. And then probably in the next, in 90 to 120 days from now, we'll be ready to do our first broadcast. Um, all the preliminary conversations have been had. Um, interestingly enough, over all of our formative years, uh, International Management Group represented us. And it was uh, like a God wink that International Management Group would be the company that would then go ahead and uh, be, become part of the deal with Endeavor when UFC sold. Um, so we're, we're working now through the right agents in order to get the television deal done. And like I say, I expect in the next 60 to perhaps 120 days, we'll be ready for the first broadcast. Last question. Were you ever interested in fighting in the first UFCs? No, but I, 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 I did have uh, a little, a little bit of a, a role to play in the, in the one in Denver. I think it was the second pay-per-view event. Our friend Herb Perez, the Olympic gold medalist, was doing commentary that night with Jim Brown, who I knew, who had tried to help us get the uh, uh, Jerry Perinchio involved in kickboxing, you know, a few years before that. And uh, I watched uh, Pat Smith land yes. an elbow on someone and knocked him out. And then he landed another elbow on them after they were already knocked out. And then another elbow on them. And then he himself stood up and raised his arms in victory. And um, the person I was sitting next to was the guy who was actually managing the pay-per-view that night. His it was from Request TV. And uh, Herb Perez had been over a couple of times and had said, uh, Master Corley, would you do an interview with us? And I said, oh, not right now, Herb. And the guy said, I, you're acting, Joe, like you don't want to be involved with this tonight. And I said, yeah. Kind of. And he said, would you mind telling me why? And I said, well, what if, you know, two months from now we were sitting in the courtroom with, uh, you know, a, a guy wondering why his family wondering why he had been, you know, harmed that way, you know, in the mat. And he looked at me and he said, nobody's really ever been seriously hurt, have they? I said, I don't know, but I don't think that's a good question for you to be asking right now. And so later in the, at the party, he said to Jim Brown, he said, Jim, I want you to meet Joe Corley. He said, yeah, we know each other already. He said, Joe thinks we're going to need rules in this uh, thing or we're going to have some trouble going forward. And I said, and Jim said, oh, that's absolutely, uh, we're going to need that. So the, the answer to the question is, no, I did not want to ever get in the ring or on the ground with anybody named Gracie or Machado or any of those guys, you know, after having the experience that I had in high school. Uh, and uh, so it, it was not, a, it was not a place for me to be. Well, you made a good prediction because the whole deal with no rules went away. In fact, that's what kind of slowed down the, the, the growth of the sport. And eventually we had to run to the commissions, come up with a set of, unified MMA rules and that changed the history of the sport. So you had a good vision there. Um, yeah. And, and just a quick note, a shout out to Mark Ratner and to the Fertitas and Dana for picking the right person to do that and really get it set up all over the countries. Really, really good man. Our friend Jim Thomas represented Evander Holyfield through all of his glory years. 
uh, and had the presence of mind to pick up that part of his ear and take it to the uh, hospital that night and dealt with Mark Ratner and Lorenzo Fertitta and the guys when they were running the Nevada Athletic Commission. And so it, it was very smart to get Mark Ratner involved in that. And, and uh, I really like the way they've tried to take care of the athletes the best way they possibly can. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. You definitely are part of combat sports history. You have some good ones there. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us here on MMA Junkie Radio. We really appreciated it. As you get closer to uh, your shows or the way the format is going to go and you have more info, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, we'd love love to love to keep you guys apprised of what's happening and hopefully you can join us at some of our great events in the not-too-distant future. Thank you. We look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Wow, nice chat, huh? Superfoot Wallace. Not too many people can say they mixed it up with that guy. He's a legend, man. He must have done his research on us because he said a lot of things that uh, kind of brought me back to my childhood a little bit. Wild World of Sports and the L.A. Sports Arena. That was a lot of, yeah, a lot of the Omni, Chuck Norris. Yeah, that was fun. Dominique Wilkins. Yeah. That was really, really fun. But I hope he really takes a look at what's clicking right now. Uh, I'd love to see <laughs> Cap Kicks from professional kickboxers. Ooh, that might be a game changer. And then um and then 12 ounce gloves for middleweight and above, 10 ounce gloves going, you know, lower. I mean, that's a lot of damage if they constantly hit themselves over and over. The 4 ounce gloves will knock you out clean and it has made one championship pretty exciting. You know, those guys throwing 4 ounce gloves, it's like, "Whoa, you're on the edge of your seat." But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, he definitely is a history uh historian in the sport participated in the sport i'm sure he knows a lot more than us we'll see how it goes um when they have a show we'll have him back on but uh it was fun talking to, to him and it was fun speaking with you guys here for the last hour and change folks i hope you all had a nice weekend and uh, don't forget this week you know same thing spinning back click check goes and i out there you uh youtube.com forward slash mma junkie video dana white contender series and then, of course, we got the watch along on Saturday for UFC 278. Usman and Edwards at the top of the bill. Costa and Rockhold should be a fun night of fights. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for that. Tell your friends. We're going to be pumping it and promoting it all week. We'll see you all on Thursday. Until then, go out there and be a champion. <laughs>